Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 44 of Season 5 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we get the guy our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today on this uh, beautiful wintry day in the middle of July is uh, Heather Baxendale from Word of Hellmouth. Hi, you know... I I hope you have your winter coat on. (laughs) I'm, it, it's actually pretty quite chill today. I closed all the windows. I'm, I mean, I'm born and raised in Michigan, so I am not a newcomer to long winters, cold winters, hard winters by any stretch of the imagination. But this one lasted well over six months, and I might be a little bit traumatized by the sight of snow at this point. I, can I just finished that. reading a book, too, literally called Ledge, about a group of people who were put on this ledge and they were basically farmed it's it's a fantasy story it was fun but halfway through it i went i can't read any more of this i can't deal with any more cold i can't do more snow and then two days later i watched die hard 2 to to prep for the show <laughs> so i'm just torturing myself it's good okay it's always nice seeing heather torture herself uh <laughs> yeah it's a good time it's a party yeah, come is. join me that is definitely <laughs> Definitely. All right. So minute 44 begins with ominous music that's highlighting the antenna array on Endor right before it blows up uh, <laughs> and, and ends with the, the SWAT leader, who we never know his name, uh, starting to get a little little angry. So basically, we ended things yesterday by getting a very snowy shot of Endor. And um, I mean, I I love mentioning the fact, uh, I haven't mentioned it again, I haven't mentioned it this week, that I know, but uh, I mentioned in the past that Rennie Harland uh, mentions on the commentary the fact that there is not a single shot in this entire movie that has real snow. It's all fake snow. They could not find, they had such a hellish time trying to find uh, locations with snow. So it's all fake. Did they shoot most of this in DC? No, Where no, no. They, they shot. They it? shot in Denver. They shot in. The, they shot in the UP. I almost went. Uh, to I almost went up to the UP to 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 be in this movie. You know, a friend of mine. A friend of mine told me that hey, I just saw in the paper that that tonight, you know, uh, 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 up north in Michigan, the UP is the Upper Peninsula. For for those of you not in the know, uh, Heather Heather understood what I was talking about, and I do. And so my friend said, oh, he saw in the newspaper, this this obviously must have been like in January or February of 1990, when they were still filming this, that that, uh, they're looking for extras to come, you know, they're going to be filming all night uh, up north. And I I was like, yeah, we should go. It'd be great. And I don't remember what happened, but we, in the end, decided not to go. And it's, it's one of those things that I sort of regret, you know, I don't have very many regrets in life. You know, but but not being an extra in Die Hard 2 when I knew I could have been, or or at least I could have been there. Whether I would have been on film or not is a different story. You know, even if I would have gotten there and, and you know, in the final cut, I wasn't there. I could always say, hey, I was there. You know, or they said, exactly. they said, we don't have any parts for you, but you can just sit and watch. You know, that that would have been fun, too. You know, like, that's that's one of those few things that if I ever had a time machine... You know, I would go back and tell my my 16-year-old self, don't be an idiot. <laughs> go up north. 
<laughs> drive the three or four hours or whatever it is to get there. Do it. It's worth it. You know, you will not regret it 33 I years later. I think I have a lot of conversations like that with my 16-year-old yes. self. Specifically the, don't be an idiot. Yes, I, I understand that. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm actually surprised, though. The UP has a, an obscene amount of snow most of the year, the, the cold months. And Denver, from what I understand, is a pretty yeah, snowfally place as well. However, I'm taking great comfort in this long winter of this now being yes. fake snow. So now I'll look at it and I'll see fake snow. And exactly. Now the, the scenes that, that do take place that, that, that I theoretically could have been in is, is when the planes land at the end, you know, that was what was filmed uh, up North. And yeah, that's really cool. So, Oh, well, what can you do? It's, it, it still will re remain a dream. <laughs> A dream of just invent a time machine. Get yourself a DeLorean with a flux capacitor and problem solve. Um, yeah. Mess with the time continuum. Go ahead. I say mess with it. This this timeline is a little bit broken anyway. Let's mess it up and see what we can do. Can't make it much worse. <laughs> ah, that's not true either. <laughs> it can yeah, always be worse. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Absolutely <laughs> Yes. Cheerful. Of course Optimistic. you are. And that's fine. Yes. Today. So we, we get we get a few <laughs> seconds of, of the you know of of the satellite array or the antenna array, whatever you want to call it. And then we're 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 back in the basement. You know, we're we're back with John. Yes, we are with, with lots of steam. With tons of steam. You know, again, we talked about this earlier in the week. This is not a healthy place. You know. Not at all. There is far too much steam here. Don't, don't live yeah, there. Well, that's what Marvin's doing. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I know. <laughs> Maybe he should have thought uh, thought about it beforehand. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's having the reverse effect on him. Maybe he's actually not that old. He really was in World War II. And he just looks great for his age because he's been getting steamed every day for the last uh, 20 could years. Be. I mean, I'm still shocked that... that that he's 52, you know, that the, the, the actor, uh, Tom Bauer is 52 at the time that they made this movie. He does not look 52. <laughs> he... No, he, he doesn't. He looks like he's yes. had a rough go. And again, he's, he's <laughs> still alive today as of recording. So, you know, and, and I saw him recently in, uh, we have a ghost, you know, he has a, Oh yeah, he shows up all the time. He's one of those guys that is is that guy where you go, oh, I've seen him in something before, and you go look him up, and you're like, oh yeah, he was in this and this and this and just has like I think he was in an X Files episode. I think he's been in a lot of those yeah, Vancouverian shows, a lot of the sci-fi shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been he's been around. He, yes, he's a busy man. That he is. <laughs> so we have, we have John walking through the basement. And then we we start hearing you know his his navigational skills because he starts looking at you know a, a folded up map and goes main ventilation duct main ventilation duct bingo and you know then then you know he he figures that all right he's gotta start crawling through the 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 grate again you know he puts the the map behind him and then takes off his sweater it's in the middle of the winter with no snow obviously you know. I know that bothered me. <laughs> but but again, tie it around your waist. You don't know if you'll need it. It's that's gonna right. get but, cold. But man. on the other hand, you know you have all this steam, so he's boiling. You know he's he's sweating like a dog here. So for him, 
maybe he wants to take care of, you know, just take it off. But then we get to see that, you know, he has his holster and then he pulls the grating off of the, the ventilation shaft, which is a little bit larger than the one that he crawled through two years earlier. You know, and then he starts as he's crawling through, we get a little uh, uh, monologue from him where he goes just once. I'd like a regular, normal Christmas eggnog, a f- Christmas tree, a little turkey. But no, I got to crawl around in this f- mother tin can. It's yeah. so great. <laughs> Again, do you? And another reason why this is an actual right. Christmas there movie. It is. It's not just the theme. This It's actively happening Christmas around the event here. It is a centralized theme with within the That's story. Right. <laughs> the John McClane Christmas. <laughs> well, the John McClane Christmas is, you know, it already happened two years ago. So, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it's 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 very interesting, True. though, very that, th- that uh, you know, uh, well, when we get to the script, none of this is there. You know, I'm, I'm giving, that, giving you guys that one. This is ad lib. You know, they added it along the way. I'd buy it. Um, it's and it's perfect too. It feels it feels that way. It feels very organic. It feels like that's exactly correct. what John McClane would say. And Bruce Willis is a fantastic actor, so I'm not surprised if he just yeah. pulled that out anyway. But McClane would be he would be the reluctant hero at this point. He doesn't want to deal with any of this crap. It's been a really crappy day yeah. for him, pretty much overall. Car's gotten towed. It's not his car. He's dealing with the in-laws, which he's not fond of. His wife is already on a delayed flight. Then he gets here, and she's about to go down yet again. Nobody wants to listen to him. He tried to pawn the problem off on somebody else. Nobody wanted to do what they were supposed to do. So he has to show up and fix everything again. So at this point, his budding frustration <laughs> with... Just a normal bad day on top of terrorists in the airport. And somehow he's the only person who can save the day again. I love it. I love the the reluctant agitation. But at the same time, he yeah, shows up and, and does the job. <laughs> he really does. And, and I love putting him in a, another air duct. I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's a trope, but it works. And the fact that he comments on it and bitches about it just makes it even, even better. Correct. He's laughing yeah. with you. He's laughing with you. That's right. I mean, one of the things it's that Rennie Harlan feeling. says on, on the, the commentary, and he says it a few times, and he even says it uh, here, is that there are so many tropes that they used, that they created in this movie, that when you look at it now, you look back and you say, oh, everyone does that. But they didn't do it at the time. It's only been, you know, over the last 33 years that people are yeah. doing these things. So when you look at them, you're like, hmm, where did that come from? And then it's like, uh, wait a second. <laughs> that actually came from now. <laughs> I feel like the Die Hard movies and Lethal Weapon just kind of changed so much in the late 80s, early 90s, as far as action movies, the buddy cop idea the whole the whole entire thing. Yes, they are they are certainly as as he stated tropes now, but at the time they weren't. It was all That's right. all all new to an audience, which is something that we don't see as much today. So it was it was really cool, and I was a little because well, now there's time, there's but, very little originality out there. Yeah. No, no, and I don't and I don't mind as long as you make your own you know your own version of whatever whatever the the already has been done is, but. But as a kid, for me, this was this was like 
this was like candy. I love these kinds of, I should probably not have been watching any of these movies. I, I mean, when this came out, I was only nine years old. I'd already seen the first one. I'd already seen way too many movies that I shouldn't have, but my parents were like, Hey, it's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. You understand the context. And I did, I did yeah. know. It was I mean, so I, I've, much fun. I've said this numerous times over the years. I'm still shocked that when I was nine, my parents let me go see the breakfast club, you know, in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were, we were the odd ducks in that capacity. Like I yes. remember going to Terminator two with my parents and we were definitely, my brother's two years younger than me. We were definitely by far the youngest people in the theater. Nobody else brought their kids. <laughs> and it was a matinee when we went too. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Nope, we were the only ones. We were the only ones. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So then the, the, the shot changes and we're, we're back, uh, you know, in the terminal on, you know, with the SWAT guys and Barnes back, you know, getting close to the Annex Skywalk and they're actually for some reason running. I don't know why. Yeah. You know, they <laughs> the, the they have the four four SWAT guys run. Uh you know I, again I think just trying to create that sense of urgency, yeah. build the building sense of tension. No, they don't really need to. Maybe they do. I don't know. Right. Well, I, I liked it in contrast to the original Die Hard where you have a bunch of squat guys that are out of shape running. At least here, you know, these guys are in shape. <laughs> you don't yeah, see them. I think what you said. You don't see them huffing I, and puffing. I think what you said. <laughs> no, no. I think what you said yesterday, too, um, uh, about them probably being stunt actors, and that's why they weren't included. I think you're probably spot on with that because they none of them are doing much with their facial expressions. They're not really they're they're kind of stagnant. They're just there, but they do look the part. You're yes. you're absolutely on point with that. And they are certainly fit every single one of those gentlemen. Yes. And big dudes as well. Yeah. That is very true. So they, they, they show them running and Barnes is running with them also. You know, he's able to keep the pace. You got three guys in front and two guys behind. And then they, they reach a point where they, they see the walkway. Right. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a real term for it. It's not an escalator. It, it's called a slide walk. That's what it is. A slide walk. Okay. Which is basically. I was wondering what it was. Yeah. I mean, well, you, you've been on them. They're like, uh, what, I think they call them like people movers nowadays or something like that. You know, where. You, you... I don't know. That's that's what I meant. Yeah. I've, I've been on them. I've been in airports, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know what the proper terminology was. Yeah. For them. I, 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 it makes me wonder if. Are there places besides airports that have these, or is it just an airport thing? I don't know, and I wouldn't imagine they make sense in airports, especially big ones. And Denver has them all over the place, but you have a lot of walking distance to cover in Denver too. I think I think Detroit uh, Detroit does as well. Not not as many or not as big, but I can't recall ever seeing them anywhere anywhere else. Right, that's true. I mean the. In, in When Harry Met Sally, you know, we, in 1982 section of that movie, they're already on one of these slide walks. So, you know, they've, they've in, in the movies, they've been around for a while, <laughs> you know, in the Harry and Sally universe. And then uh, Barnes picks up, uh, I, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be like an early cell phone or if it's supposed to be some sort of walkie-talkie. It's it's hard to tell. Um, I think it's a phone it might be a sat phone from the looks of it. I, I remember him putting it in the suitcase in the episode yesterday. Okay. 
um, I was looking through all the, the items there. So I he, I actually watched him put it in there. It didn't have anything connected to it either. It looks like a sat phone to me. That would be right. Because I mean, 1990 was. Which would also make sense because they could still use that with uh, communications being down. Right. Well, you can use a phone also. You know, a regular phone, a regular cell phone like like we have today. You know, I mean, it's 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 very interesting that you know 30 years ago, 33 years ago, so very few people had cell phones at the time. Um, all right, so I'm looking back at yesterday's episode. And, you know, I didn't even think to look in the suitcase. That's really weird. So when he puts the blueprints in there, so we see all these wires, we see, you know, uh, um, wire cutters and different different types of tools. And yes, there is yeah. what it looks like a uh, set phone there. Yeah, I, I believe you are correct, Heather. Good, thanks. good cat. Yeah, you see, yeah. I, I, like I missed being... it. I missed that. So. You know, for some for some reason I didn't even look. I don't know why. <laughs> so and and at, in the shot we also get to see that Barnes is married because we see he's got a ring on. You know, we we never we never yes. we never hear anything about his wife, but at least they 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 tell us that he is a uh, family man. I guess you can say. And then he's he will be missed if he gets done alive. Uh, and the SWAT guys, I don't know. <laughs> So he, he gives a report. He says, we're in the Annex Skywalk. I can see the array. I'll give you a call for a protocol test as soon as it's hot. That's all for now. You know, and then, you know, they, they, they start walking towards the, you know, the, the, the area where they're, they're trying to get to. And we see in the distance uh, a painter who's there, which... <laughs> That is correct. And so one of the... I completely forgot that he was in this. I was so uh, delighted. Great. I squealed. That's okay. I, I, I can I can I can actually imagine that. <laughs> so um the first of all, I you know, we, we talked about this weeks ago at the very beginning, right after they, they shoot the guy in the second week of this uh, I think it was episode seven, where they shoot you know, the caretaker in the church. So in the script, they have a few other scenes of their, of their men taking over different places. And one of them is they kill the painters and take over the painters. Oh. No, so, but they cut that out. So, you know, we, we get to see. Well, you can put the, you can put the yeah, pieces of course, together. Of course. Yeah. No, but also in, in the script, when they talk about that. So, you know, at that point they're showing, you know, they have, you know, team one in position, team two in position, team three in position. In the movie, it's just, okay, uh, you know, Buckwheat, this is Buckwheat, we're in the clubhouse, and that's it. You know, and, and we talked about it at the time that it would have been nice to hear another one of them say, okay, this is Spanky, we're in position. And the other one, we're, this is, this is Alfalfa, we're in position. You know, this is Darla, we're in position, or whatever. But, you know, yeah. it, it's not needed. You can put the yeah. pieces together. It's not it's not necessary, but I agree with you. I think it would have added that that layer too. And in the beginning too, if, if they did that, it would have created a little bit more tension, even knowing how well organized they are and how well planned this entire thing is. It would make the entire possibility of overcoming it seem even more right. And my drastic. assumption is, and it's just a small right. yeah. Um, and my yeah, assumption is is it. that in the forty minutes in the movie since that happened we would have forgotten about the fact that they killed 
these painters, you know, by a painting truck. They they didn't kill them in you know here in the annex skywalk. They killed them, you know, by their truck. So you know you would have just forgotten about it over the the nearly forty minutes since then, and then you'd see them here and you'd be like, oh wow, that's what happened. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That type of thing. Exactly. Um, so then you know we have Barnes, uh, you know, the 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 five SWAT guys are all around him. You know, they're definitely giving him a lot of cover. You can see in the background when they're walking that there's like mirrors because it you, it looks like you see uh, a bunch of yeah. other SWAT guys. That's a, a separate, separate team walking team the other way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that makes no sense. And then I realized right. it was probably mirrors. And then we, we, we get a shot of Robert Patrick where we finally get to see his face. This was actually one of his very first uh, starring roles. He was an actor that was born in 1958. So at the time of this movie, he was 32. And as of recording, he's 65. Uh, no, he's not yet 65. Thank you. He, now I know how old my dad is. He's the same age as my dad. And I was trying to figure out how yeah, old he so, turned on his birthday. Right. Robert, Robert Patrick will, will only be <laughs> 65 in uh, November. So he's he's got a little little a few more months to go until he gets there, but I mean his his work in this movie, which is a very you know he's only here for for you know today tomorrow and uh, maybe one or two days next week, uh, but this got him noticed what he did here and you know he got his shot on in Terminator Two because of that, you know which basically was the next film that he yep. worked on after this. Okay, now yes, and he does stand out. And it's not just because I, I recognized him as Robert Patrick, but he does have a look about him. Mm -hmm. He looks like a villain. He looks like a villain. He plays a great villain. He plays a, yeah. he plays a good, good guy, too. But he plays a phenomenal villain. And he has he, he has a unique look about him. He stands out. And I don't think many people mm -hmm. glow That's or true. quite like him. He can just. Yeah, he he does such, a, and that's another reason why he was probably picked up for Terminator. Yeah, his ability that's very to possible. do exactly so that. So I, I read something very interesting about him that that um, you know he started off in studying in university, and then he dropped out after taking a drama course and decided that he was interested in acting. And at that point, while he was a struggling actor, he became a house painter. And in 1984, he was in a uh, boat accident, boating accident on lake erie okay where he needed to he swam for three hours in order to save the other people that were that were stranded on the accident site um and he himself nearly drowned while doing this my i again i don't i don't have so much of the details oh of the story but it sounds as if he you know swam back and forth trying to save people from this accident you know yeah i'd i'd, I'd really be That's curious amazing. one day to, to actually read the entire story of what happened there you know maybe 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 i'll try and find it you know but well maybe i wrote we to him and he didn't him. respond so you know just like all the other villains in this movie none of them responded to me shame yeah shame. seriously shame you know i i was hoping that that, <laughs> that 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 someone would would respond to me uh you know i i, I see that uh you know William Sadler is very active in social media, and I wrote to him and didn't know nope, nothing. <laughs> yeah, darn it, William Sadler. I used to like you. Now you're a real villain. Yeah. <laughs> He's quite yeah. good in this, too. 
another one that has that look he has those cheekbones he has he has the look about him and then you know he's he's a good actor too so he he pulls it off otherwise but if yeah it just has something sinister about him and particularly in this one some of the glares he gives just kind of get you right in the soul like okay i will i will go cower in my corner now while you go do your villainous murder stuff Correct. all right i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna read something that i just found about the, uh, about this this rescue it says you've seen robert patrick as the villainous t t1000 in terminator 2 but you might not know that in 1984 he was a hero for a day you might want to read the story to figure out just why uh it's pretty interesting and to, to find out just why because it's pretty interesting back when he still hadn't entered show business patrick was a house painter which you which doesn't usually pull down nearly the kind of money he does now but is honest work and gets a person by throughout the year in any case he was around lake erie when he was in a boating accident that year and rather than needing to be rescued he nearly drowned after swimming for close to three hours to try and help those that were stranded at the accident site if that can't be called heroic then what can Risking your life for others so that they can get away from a dangerous site is definitely a a definition of courage. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't really tell us anything more about the what he did. <laughs> no, and that yeah. and that saying the accident site isn't like where a plane crashed or a car crashed. It's a boat. So how yeah. did the boat? Where is it? I want to know more. I need to know more. I'm going to look into this. <laughs> oh, I have to find out. Yeah, every, everything I find is the same information. You know, it doesn't doesn't go into details about it. It just says that yeah. he was in a boating accident and he swam for nearly three hours and 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 <laughs> and we're just in, gonna in have order to, to try to help him. those that are stranded that were stranded at the accident site. That's all it says, even on Wikipedia. You know. That's not fair. So, uh, Mr. Patrick, if you're listening, please get in touch. <laughs> Edward Furlong is going to be at our Comic Con this weekend. So maybe I will corner Edward Furlong. Say I have a question about Robert Patrick. If you don't know the answer, please give me his phone number. Do you think it'll work? I could try it. You can. Well, let's put it this way: as I learned from when I when I spoke with with Tarantino a year and a half ago, um, you know, for for, for for ten seconds, you know, when I when I asked him to be on my show, Tarantino. Well, I I you, you didn't know the story. I was I was. No! At, <clears throat> so when I when I was doing my first season of The Great Escape. Um, so I had heard that Tarantino is a really big fan of, uh, of the great escape. So, but hence, you know, why he puts that scene in once upon a time in Hollywood, you know, with, uh, with, with DiCaprio in there. So I then heard that he was uh, highlighting the Jerusalem film festival that year and that he was introducing a few movies. So I said, okay, I'm going to go buy a ticket and I'm going to go to one of these movies. And I brought with me you know, my laptop. And I said, I'm going to find a way to talk to him and invite him onto my podcast. I know he's probably going to say no, but I'm going to get the courage and do it. So I get into the, I get into the theater and, you know, I get to my seat, which I, I, I always like being on the aisle anyway. So I picked an aisle seat and, you know, they're getting ready to start the movie. And then they bring Tarantino in with, uh, actually before the movie started, I was walking around the hallways just hoping to like bump into, you know, him and the security guards or whatever it is, but that didn't happen. So then I'm, I'm sitting in the movie and then he is put three rows ahead of me in this theater <gasps> also on the aisle. And I'm looking and I'm like, okay, when am I going to get a chance to talk to him? And then he gets up and he goes and introduces the movie. It was, uh, uh, what was the name of that movie? It was with uh, Robert Mitchum from uh, 1984. 
uh, it was a Golan Globus uh, film. Whatever the, the the movie itself wasn't wasn't amazing, but you know it was still fun to watch it. And you know it was introduced by Tarantino. And then as the credits start to roll, so you know him and his uh, the people around him get up and they start to walk out, and they walk right towards where I'm sitting. You know, so I quickly get up and I pace with him, and I say, "Hi, Mr. Tarantino." You know, I have a podcast uh, where, where, you know, I have a Movies by Minute podcast where, where I'm doing The Great Escape. And I'd love it if you'd be, you know, if you'd be interested in, in, in uh, you know, being on an episode with me. And, like, he looked at me the whole time. He's, he's looking at me while I was talking. Uh, he was very gracious. You know, he didn't say, get out of here, stop bothering me or anything like that. And he looks at me and he smiles and then he says, no, I'm sorry. I don't think that's going to work out. And then he just continued walking. And, you know, I felt the satisfaction of at least, you know, uh, having the courage to invite him. I, I knew the odds were that he would say no, but, you know, some. No, but Tarantino is a wild card anyway. Out of most people. OK, I, 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 it, I would probably not be able to talk to him. And I don't get that way around celebrities at all, but I would freak out. I love Tarantino. I respect the <laughs> out of him, but he's a wild card. Yes. He might have said yes. That was worth which it. is why it I did it. Which it. is why and I did nice it. About yes. it. That's awesome. Yes. I five it. Yeah, feel it. Feel it. I feel it. I feel it five thousand miles away. Look at my reading right now. <laughs> there you go. That's literally my read right now. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. He was just talking about the Great Escape and what I was reading yesterday. Oh wow. Okay. Um. So. <laughs> so we. So back to the episode. Back to, back to talking about <laughs> Die Hard 2. <laughs> so Robert Patrick, you know, who plays a character named O'Reilly, he turns around and looks at them. And then, you know, we see the, the SWAT guys in Barnes walking down the uh, slide walk. And this is something I never noticed before I did research on this. You know, that one of the bad guys is actually on a ladder on the left-hand side behind them. Okay, that that's yeah. You know that that's uh, that that bad guy's name is um, Mulky, M-U-L-K-A-Y. Um, yes, he does, and he is he is played by an actor named Ken Baldwin, who has nine acting credits uh, on IMDb. You know nothing nothing really. Maybe a stunt guy then. Well, he doesn't have any stunt uh, uh, credits. So no. I, I'm not really sure about that. Okay. And you know, we, we see that 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 what he's doing, you know, it looks like he's he's drilling or something like that. But he's he's not looking where he's drilling. He's looking down towards O'Reilly, I guess. You know, waiting for the signal. And then then we get yeah. a shot of another one of the guys uh, who is painting, doing it very very slowly. He's like on a scaffold. But, uh, you know, he's painting, but again, not looking at what he's painting. He's looking at O'Reilly. Um, and this is an actor by the name of uh, Mick Cunningham, who is credited in this movie as Mike, Michael Cunningham. Uh, he plays uh, Sheldon. That's the, the bad guy's name. He also has 10 acting credits. Uh, so, again, and, and it's very sporadic because it's, it's 10 acting credits from 1989 to 2019. But, you know, I couldn't really get very much information about him besides besides that. Um, and basically, you know, so he's 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 a good painter. <laughs> he knows what he's doing when he's painting. 
you know, the only other thing that he knows that he's got to shoot some people. Yeah, that's what. And knows. according to IMDb, he is a retired NYPD de- detective. Um, at at what point oh, did cool. he retire? I don't know. Maybe you know, maybe that's why he's only been in ten movies because he was you know busy working you know in the police at the time and just sporadically had uh, you know different jobs here and there. Don't know. So yeah, he's he's just painting very slowly. And and then we get a shot from behind him, where we see you know he's uh, his point of view, and then he dips uh, you know the roller into the the paint can, but then you the the screen the, the shot moves down a little bit, and we see that he has a gun in between the the two uh, uh, the two paint cans. He has an MP5 there. Uh, then we get to see the fourth and final uh, villain henchman here. Uh, there's a guy who's standing behind a table filled with all his paint equipment. Um, do you recognize that guy? If you look at second 51, okay, tell me if you recognize that guy. The the, um, the character's name is Shockley. He looks familiar. Yeah, yeah. I remember he looked familiar. But no, I did not, I did not okay. know who so, he was. And I right. didn't look so him up either. This is an actor by the name of Mark Boone Jr., why does that sound familiar? Okay, who? Wait a minute, that's he's from. He's Trump been in so many things. Yes, he is. Oh my gosh, he has no hair here. That is him, though. That is him. He has no beard. He has no hair. That that's like, uh, uh, you know, he has, he doesn't have spiky hair. I guess you can say. He he was also in Memento. Yes, he you was. You know, he he played the the uh, the motel clerk, Bert. He was in Too Fast, Too Furious. He was in Batman Begins. He has 160 acting credits in, oh, in on IMDb. He was, he was in the first season of Mandalorian for one episode. He also mm-hmm. was on, well, we know he was on Sons of Anarchy, but Robert Patrick was on a couple episodes. I don't know if the two of them had any interactions. I'm not sure. That, but they were, that, they were, I think Robert Patrick was on at least two or three of those episodes as well. Yeah. But but what's really cool is is that when I first heard that he was in this movie, when I started when I started doing the research for the season, I saw that he's in this movie, and I'm like, no way, you know, because he's 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 an overweight guy in every other movie that you see him in, and here he's pretty yeah. much in good shape, you know. Yeah. And you know the fact that he's clean shaven and stuff like that. So you know I was I I was very pleased to finally be able to pick him out of you know the the henchman. You know, I, I've been, been I, I looked I've been at him waiting for went, 44 minutes to see yeah. him. <laughs> I looked at him and went, he looks really familiar. And I did go through the cast list beforehand. And there were a few people that I did look up and that kind of thing. And I, I probably skimmed past his name. But there were there were other ones where I went, oh, my goodness, who else was in this? Who else was in this? That's right. Um, I mean, we saw we saw, uh, I think, two weeks ago, John Leguizamo. Is has a very small part here also yeah. as one of the henchmen. And Cole Meany shows up without even a line. So yes. so yeah, there's there's lots of people that are familiar. No, Cole Meany has has stuff to say. We we didn't, he didn't have anything to say this week, but oh, later on he will. This right. is true. This is true. Um, but but yeah, so we have all these these people that are are household names to us that we are very familiar with. And, yes. And well, that's one of the cool things about watching movies that are. Oh, a little older, bit older. Older, older. <laughs> it's it's picking picking those out now and going back and, and seeing all those goodies. That's really cool. That's, that's correct. That's 
That's a fun find. Yeah, well then, done, sir. Th thank you. And then Shockley, uh, you know, starts uh, moving some, like moving a cloth around. Uh, you know, we we assume that he's got a gun under there. And then we get a shot of a control panel and a hand that moves towards the control panel and pushes the red button. And then a red light turns on, and then the the shot is pans really nicely to the left, and we see the SWAT guys and Barnes still on the slidewalk, and the slidewalk stops, and they all fall forward. You know, I, I like the comic relief here. You know, I think yeah. it's, I think it's uh, on purpose that they did it this way. And at the same time, if you look in the back, you can see that um, Mulkey has already uh, climbed down from his uh, perch. You know, on on the uh, uh, on the ladder that that he was yep. uh, there. So the, the the SWAT guys are a little off balance for a second, and then we we see O'Reilly once again. He just turns back around and goes back to what he was doing. Keeps his back to them, and then uh, <laughs> basically, ah, I missed this before. As as this is happening, so Barnes is still talking to. The, the SWAT guys, and he says, Sergeant, we may need some more equipment. I'd like to send one of your guys back for it. And he goes, right, sir, you got it. And then as he says that, that's when the, the slide walk stops. And then, you know, he grunts, what the hell is going on? And then he looks over towards where O'Reilly is and says, hey. And then he gets cut off. So... You know, we're, we're going to have to come back tomorrow to find out what actually happens with that. So. I think it's going to be bad. I mean, I've seen it a couple times, so I know. Mm -hmm. But I think it's going to be bad. <laughs> I think things are not going to go well for our our stock SWAT guys here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And John McClane is once again just hanging out in in some some air ducts while yeah. all this is going well, on. Well, we'll find that out tomorrow. You know, he's he's we, yes. we assume that he's still you know in the air ducts. So yes. So that's not a problem. So you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into uh, the the script? Nope, this was a fun one. Yes, it was. Tomorrow will be fun too. You know, every day is fun mm -hmm. here. Come on, Heather. Every day, every day in. In the, uh, what is it, the 540 episodes that I've done so far, every day has been fun. <laughs> Good gracious, sir. Well done. <laughs> I admire your fortitude and Thanks. organizational skills, all of it. <laughs> and I'm glad you keep coming back. That's the important thing. Me too, because I like that fun. Ditto, ditto. So the, the script starts with a little bit of a... Uh, uh, a description. It says, a big history of flight mural high on the wall half finished, ceilings partially opened, a worker on the scaffold and three others on the floor still hammering and fiddling. Barnes and the cops come in. Barnes looks out the window and sees the satellite array through the glass, still covered with factory plastic and tape. Barnes says into his, into his cellular phone, we're in the annex skywalk. I can see the dish. I'll call you as soon as it's hot for protocol test. McLean in the boiler room at night. McLean moves forward, stops immediately, looks up at Marvin, who grins. McLean's uh, POV downward. He's high above the huge boiler room. The only way across is on a narrow beam. 
McLean takes a breath, starts across the beam. There's a scary moment at first, but he gets quickly confident, a bit too confident midway. He starts to lose his balance and all but runs to the far end and jumps to safety. As he pulls himself up, he hears Marvin clapping behind him. With a scowl, McLean checks his map and pushes on. Uh, then, so, I'm, first of all, all right, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Then it says, Barnes and the SWAT cops run forward, get on the slidewalk, impatient. They run even while on it. A worker at the far end of the, uh, the slidewalk reaches into the open slidewalk control panel and hits a switch. The slidewalk jerks, jerks to a halt, and the six men on it almost tumble. Obviously, the worker turns his back to them again. The airport cop says, hey, and that's how we're going to end things for today. So, yeah, again, this is this is another time when I say they, I liked reading it, but it's not necessary at all it's it's a good thing Definitely they cut it out that. um you know having mclean do acrobatics uh not necessary you know not at all nope we already know what he's capable that's of. right so that although sorry marvin so much of your time got yeah cut. that's true <laughs> <laughs> well although we did have a brief explanation of why the swat guys were running they were impatient that's right. Which, which is what you said. You, you were correct with that one. There you go. I'm a very smart lady. Well, that, that's why I keep having you back. <laughs> All right. So every Thursday, we have a segment called Aviation Thursday, where my guests will give their top five movies that are somehow related to airplanes, airports, uh, flight, etc. So uh, what have you got for us, Heather? Okay. My number five is just funny. It's snakes on a plane. It's definitely not the best. It's not even that great in a funny sense, but I think I'm just going to give them the five slot out of sheer audacity and because I love Sam Jackson. For okay. number I, I was actually on the Lambcast episode. Uh, it was a movie of the month uh, years ago, and we had a blast on it. You know, so it's you know, fun. You, you can go back it's, and listen to it. I will, because it's fun. I was obsessed with it for quite some time, so it deserves a spot in the top five. Uh, for number okay, four, I, I have Airplane, which is not a big shocker. I actually didn't see that as an, a, the entire movie until I was an adult. Oh, really? Number hmm. three is one of my favorites. It's Con Air. And if you'd like, go listen to the Con Air podcast right now because yes. Jay and Mark are hosting it and it's delightful. Yeah, well, um, I actually, they're, they're finishing it this month. They finished in July. So, you know, uh, you can catch up on all those 40 episodes uh, 40 plus episodes you, you should know, definitely so. check out the one that i'm on because it's, it's uh, what best. and the one i'm on also was also yes. a good one we we have the best ones for sure and and probably jeanette whichever one she does because jeanette is also wonderful jeanette was on there too yes that's yep. right yep <laughs> number Just a two quick, so a shout out a shout out to jay and mark on the conair pod you know go check it out it's fantastic <laughs> they're great yes ton of fun too um for number two i have top gun maverick I can't believe how much ridiculous, glorious fun that movie was. I was so happy. It was such a joyous return to that style of movie and cinema. I went and saw it by myself, and I swear I almost cried just just out of happiness of being back in the theater with popcorn in my lap watching that kind of movie and knowing that it's probably one of the last of its kind. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I mean, and they kind of even say – sayonara in it and that was part of the the joy of it it was yes. it was really great mm -hmm. it was 
It was wonderful. And my number one is also just Top Gun. Oh, it was the first movie I ever saw at the drive-in, first of all. Second of all, I probably watched it 100 times by the time I was 10 years old. I loved that movie as a kid. There are very few movies that are as 80s as Top Gun. It pretty much emulates everything that is the 80s style in it. Yeah. And it's just fun. It really hasn't aged particularly well. I'm not going to say it does, but that does not mean that it and the Danger Zone do not have a place in my heart. Yeah, I'm I'm actually a big fan of Top Gun, and I I, I didn't like Top Gun Maverick as much. You know, if when when my list comes out at the end of this uh, season, and I know Jay is taking notes, but Top Gun Maverick will not be on that list. Top Gun might be, but Top Gun Maverick will not be. There's a lot of really great airplane movies, though. I I I had a hard time not adding in Alive. That one felt a little. <laughs> Okay. That, that's <laughs> so an interesting choice point. to put on there. Yes, it is. That is true. It's, but it's a great movie. I think it's a great movie anyway. Yeah. Okay. I agree with you. Now, I mean, for me, I think Top Gun Maverick would have been better. Uh, spoiler alert for anybody, if they would have actually killed Maverick. That that would have worked. Because they gave us. But I'm glad they didn't. I think the movie would have been better had they done that. Not usually because I hate they, the not because I'm I hate the character the or anything like that. But they 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 made things far too unbelievable. You know, at that point, I know that, that that watching movies like this, you're not supposed to believe in reality and stuff like that. That's fine. No, but no, at first, at first, after I know what part you're talking about, too. It was the unnecessary ending, but yeah. it was the second ending. It was like a, a Lord of the Rings ending. But whereas yeah. Lord of the Rings, they're necessary. It wasn't necessary, but I didn't care. It was fun. And I've watched it multiple times now, and I still enjoy that. Plus, Tom Cruise runs. We have to have Tom Cruise running in a Tom Cruise movie. So. That's true. Yeah, and you can ask Mark all about that also. Mark, Mark, I think did did a uh, a whole series on uh, you know Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise running, running in movies. Yes. Yes, it's brilliant. Utterly brilliant. Yeah. So, all right, great. So, uh, Heather, despite loving uh, Top Gun Maverick, you want to tell people where they can find you? Yes, I do. Specifically because of that. Even if you want to argue with me, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and. <laughs> You can check out my book, which is a fantasy adventure story um, called The Prophecy. There's part one and part two available now on Amazon under my pen name, H.B. Walsh. If you'd like to listen to my podcast, which is a pretty groovy rewatch show of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we are just starting the second season now. It's on Rabbit Hole Podcasts, or you can find it anywhere on any of your streaming services. It is called Word of Hellmouth. Very cool. And uh, while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe to any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. And finding me is very it's simple. You just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. You can find me on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter. So, Heather, you, you want to come back tomorrow and figure out what's going to happen? Yes! There's going to be guns and firing. I'm for it. Yeah. I, I, I think you're just a sit, sitting duck. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay! Yippee-ki-yay, mofo! If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages here and